Why, hello there. Hey, it's uh, Rich the Architect again. And in today's episode, I have a, a guest, my client of many years, 10 or 11 years, uh, Chaz Peruto of Peruto Custom Homes and Peruto Bayfront Homes. And we uh, got a chance to, uh, I was down taking photos of one of the the projects we worked on down in Avalon, New Jersey, and we worked on together. And I, um, after getting all, all the photos and whatnot, I got a chance to sit down with him and we just talked about a number of things related to some of the, primarily the, the houses we worked on together down at the shore, uh, certain aspects, uh, dealing with Hurricane Sandy the um, an abnormal lot size for one of the houses, um, you know, and probably a couple other things too. So, um, uh, yeah. So, yeah. Without uh, further ado, I will move on to that. So, um, yeah. So we'll jump right into it uh, right after this message. All right. See ya. Hey, what's going on? It's Rich again, Rich the architect. Uh, today. We're down here in uh, Avalon, New Jersey, and I have a guest here, my client, uh, Chaz Peruto, uh, Peruto Custom Homes, and also Peruto Bayfront Homes. And um, yeah, so why don't we, uh, we'll just jump right into it. Um, I've known Chaz for about 10 years now. Uh, he hired me for the first job back in Philly in 2009 uh, for a mixed-use condo building there. And then it eventually led to, I believe this is the seventh this was the seventh house, sixth or seventh house, down at different shore houses, um, down here. Uh, the second one, second. That, that sounds about right. When I yeah. just did some of it in my head, there was, uh, yeah, this yeah. I think was the seventh one we did. Yeah, together. yeah, yeah. So uh, we done did a number. Um, we've had some uh, some good times because Sandy hit when uh, yeah. not what I don't think when this one was being built. The, there's a duplex next door here too. You probably see in the background of the video um, that was just getting built, uh, just getting starting to get built right when Sandy hit. So, um, so yeah, so we've been doing this for a while. So I'm glad to have uh, Chaz here. So, uh, thank you for having me. Yeah. Uh, also, thank you for not giving me any questions or anything to prepare with. So uh, if I end up pausing or saying uh, a lot, oh, I say I, I say uh, a lot all the time. So don't don't worry about that. Also, I'm Italian, so for anybody. Oh, okay. You you talk with your hands. I get it. <laughs> All right. Well, um, so why don't we just like start into it? Why don't you give me a you know, or give the the audience a little uh, background, your origin story, um, of well, you choose wherever you want to go with it in terms of like you know where you came from or how you got started in the business and and whatnot. I, I will actually right before that. Let me just add, uh, Chaz is uh, the Peruto Custom Homes is um, contractor essentially, but you also do some construction management uh, as well um, in the Philadelphia area, but then also the whole way down here in the South Jersey uh, Shore area as well. So uh, with that, I'll just uh, leave it over to you. Yeah, I, I didn't come into this as a, like something that was a clear path mm -hmm. uh, right from the start. Most of the people in my family are attorneys, and I actually went to law school, and I kind of decided it wasn't for me back 
while I was in law school and I was trying to figure out what to do. And my father, uh, along with some of his siblings, had always invested in real estate and he owned uh, an apartment complex. And when I was growing up, uh, well before law school, when I was in high school, etc., I always worked in the summers, on the weekends, doing you know little things. And he wanted to prepare me for potentially owning real estate, owning apartment complexes, so he had me work as they were renovating it. Uh, he had me spend one summer with the electrician, one summer with a stonemason, mm -hmm. uh, one summer just the laborer, and I, I got to see a lot of different aspects of the business and learn some things that are, uh, you know, practices that are both good and poor. So I had a little bit of a background, and when I was in law school, uh, my now wife and I, uh, we flipped the house and, and we renovated another one. And when I came out, uh, a couple of other little minor jobs, and I was always kind of doing stuff on the side. And then I realized that I should just do it. So I, I started a business uh, that was really more geared towards helping uh, individuals and homeowners deal with, you know, architects and contractors but not actually being either one of them, kind of mm -hmm. bridging a gap, so yeah. to speak. And things started taking off and doing pretty well, but that was uh, in uh, 2007. Yeah. And then in 2008, when the market crashed at the end of the year, a lot of people lost a lot of their savings, and everything that was in my pipeline had uh, slowed up. And so my father at that time was attempting to move, and he wanted to only own a condo, but he kind of wanted a choice piece of real estate. Yeah. So he bought this building at 20th and Delancey in Philadelphia. Yep. Uh, really nice. And we decided to make it condos. That's when we met. Yep. We yep. actually met with a designer who had found you, I think they're like a Facebook, or no, no, uh, a Craigslist ad, It was a Craig, right? I answered a Craigslist ad. Yeah, it was very yeah, yeah, random. Yeah. And yeah, I yeah. think in the beginning we said, okay, because you were cheap. Yeah. And obviously, <laughs> I was in the you know, first year of, yeah, and yeah. I was also the first year of go, going, you know, going through the business. So, yeah, yeah, I was a little cheaper. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously, you did a very good job. So, mm -hmm. we, we kept going back. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah. So, um, with me, so I, I kind of had this background and just decided to do it full time. And he said, look, you know, if you don't want to be a lawyer, which everybody in my family hated. Uh, hey, did that you didn't want to be a lawyer? Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah not, they all love law. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah. Um, he said, why don't you kind of run this project? So I, I almost kind of backed into it from the top down because I immediately became a project manager and learned on the fly. And then uh, things went very well. And yeah. we decided to do a home building business. And so for years, I built spec homes for him, yeah. uh, mostly along the, the Jersey Shore points, so Avalon, Stone Harbor, Margate, Longport, uh, and then we, we, you know, we did some things back in the Philadelphia area, where mm -hmm. we were from, uh, but uh, this is kind of where we took off, and yeah, he bought some properties and he wanted to build houses on, and then Hurricane Sandy hit, yeah, yeah. and so we were you know, amongst the, the first real new construction to be completed after that. Yeah. And we rode this wave of people not wanting to have a house that was built with older regulations. Even yeah, yeah. The regulations didn't really change. They just yeah, didn't yeah, yeah. want an older house because they were all afraid of it getting destroyed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like I said, we rode the wave and things started going well. And then I started 
uh, doing some custom homes for people. I took over a couple homes from builders that had been let go right. with, under not great circumstances. Mm -hmm. Kind of helped out some people there. And uh, then a couple years ago, I decided to start my own business. And I was working with him and doing my stuff on my own. And yeah. Now for a little over a year, I've just been completely on my own. I, I do normal general contracting work, but I also do full home construction and construction management. Yeah. So uh, kind of all over the place as far as the, the you know, levels that I've been doing. Yeah. Obviously, some projects get a lot more attention yeah. than others. But yeah, that's that's kind of the background here. Mm -hmm. So. Okay. Yeah. Well, one one of the things you kind of mentioned a little bit, like we were just mentioned Hurricane Sandy, and I'm looking back at the you know the house behind us when when that got built. I always remember like when that hit, how I think the I believe either the pilings were staked out or the pilings were in the ground. So the I'm trying to remember uh, which one it was. So the the way it went was we had torn down the the property yeah. that was there. It was a you know one of the old just surf shack kind of lodges that yep. that was here, and the pilings for you know the foundational pilings had been delivered yeah and they were on site and we were supposed to start driving the pilings and news of the hurricane yeah happened and so we were you know basically just taking all the properties and making sure everything was you know the, the hatches were battened down yeah, or whatever they say or whatever yeah, yeah yeah and uh we waited for it to come and, and so there was no work done but the uh bulkhead which needed to be replaced which was scheduled to be replaced mm -hmm. uh, under the weight of all that water, it actually uh, snapped in three different locations. Yeah. And there were people who were living in that house across the, the lagoon right there, yeah. the one that's getting renovated now. They've been living down here year-round for a long time. And they told us that once the... Uh, the problem wasn't when the floodwaters came. Yeah. It was when, when they receded, receded yep. right? Yeah, yeah. And... You know, unlike some of these other properties where there was houses, there was shrubbery, there were other bulkheads, etc., that acted like the poor spout on yeah, a yeah. pitcher. Uh -huh. And so all of this water that was on the island was rushing out, and this was one of the, the, the points that was probably the highest flow. Yeah, yeah. And they said that the pilings had all started floating, yeah, yeah. and some of them were rocketing out towards oh. <laughs> their house. Right. And they, they were, like 20, they were 30, they're like 20, 30 feet long. Yeah, right? I yeah, want to say yeah. Yeah, 25 to 35 feet long. And um, they were absolutely terrified. And when we yeah. came back, they were all gone. Yeah. Um, there were some random things along the property. There was a, a boat that was on its side. Mm -hmm. There was a, a jet ski trailer. Uh, there were a couple floating docks that mm -hmm. just, just had come on and, and pulled back. Yeah. But there was about a six-foot deep by six-foot wide uh, you know, uh, ditch, but it, it ran the entire 80 or, or 90 feet of the property yeah. uh, from where the bulkhead had snapped, where all the dirt was taken out, et cetera. And mm -hmm. they actually said we couldn't drive the pilings then because there wasn't enough dirt to hold yeah. everything in. And there were a lot of delays with that, so we had to get the bulkhead put in. But, of mm -hmm. course, everybody wanted their bulkhead repaired yeah, or yeah. put back in. There, were, uh, there was a giant mound of floating docks and ramps and boating-related items that were all in a giant parking lot over by the 31st Street Beach. 
Yeah. Because stuff was just found all over the island. Yeah, yeah. And they didn't know where it came from. Nobody has their name on a dock that's behind yeah, the house. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. when the water's four feet <laughs> higher than the ground, yeah. that stuff came right up over the pilings and just started just floating in. Yeah. And then it may have gotten stuck on something. Yeah. So we did have a, probably a month or a six-week delay, which hurt us. But in the end, it you know it ended up helping and build a business. Yeah, well, I, I remember one time you told me that uh, once we started, once the house started to get built, and we were doing we were doing everything on pilings, and there was a bit of some resistance prior to that, where people were like, "Well, we don't build like that down here," when we because it was like block wall mm-hmm. and all that, and that was like when you saw like from Sandy from you know the shore town, you saw a house like go away, like just float away. It was probably built on like a block wall or whatever. But, you know, on the pilings, it has the ability to put the floodwaters to go through. So we start, we did this house. We had a design to do pilings before Sandy hit. And then it started getting built with the pilings. And somebody from the town was telling you, I believe, that they were going to have people come over here and look at how this was getting built because that's how they wanted it to get built afterwards. Yeah, after Hurricane Sandy, there was a bit of an overreaction yeah. from, I'm not sure who controls it, maybe it was the Army Corps of Engineers or, or the Department of Environmental Protection, but with the, the flood areas and the mm-hmm. classifications. Yeah, yeah. And I believe they took almost this whole area and they changed it from what was called Flood Zone A or, mm-hmm. or Flood Zone A8. It depends on on when it was, right? AE or whatever. Or AE. I think AE was nine feet. A8 was the the original one. Anyway, and they changed it all to flood zone V, which meant that you had to have these breakaway panels. Yep. Uh, So we were used to building homes down here that had flood vents, Mm -hmm. uh, which is something that's only really been around for about 20 years, maybe yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I want to say the late 90s, they started coming around. Yeah, and I think the house that we had completed in Margate had the flood vents. Yes. Yeah. And there were, um, there were homes back all the way from the 60s that would have some type of flood vent where they would have a, a little window in the foundation where it would just be a screen yeah. and it would allow airflow. But these, what they call the, the smart vents, they became much more popular in, in the 2000s uh, to help dry everything out. But all of a sudden, you know, you, you had to change that. And so we were, uh, a, a typical house down here is built with, there's pilings, and then they pour concrete around the top of the pilings with piling caps on them yep. to help them lock in place uh, and create like a grade beam. And then they'll, they'll build the house. But we were extending the pilings all the way up. We were still pulling, pouring concrete footings in mm-hmm. uh, to lock them in place, but we were using that wood to hold up all of our, of, you know, major beams. That, yeah, the, so it goes the, up the, to the, first, the first floor. Level. And everything was yeah, tied yeah. in. And because we were doing that, it made it much more convenient to build that than with, like, say, cinder block pilings that you would create. Yeah, yeah. And so we could take the, the gaps uh, in between the pilings and build the breakaway panels there. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, as we were doing it, uh, other builders were coming by and... And, yeah, initially people looked at us like we had two heads. Like, you know, yeah. what, what is it, the Carolinas? You know, yeah, what is it? And they're like, yeah, look, people do this all over yeah. the place. And we want to do it. And next thing you know, yeah, we were we were one of the models yeah. for everybody. And, and other architects were coming by. Mm-hmm. Structural engineers were coming by asking questions. Uh, did you actually have any issues? Because 
you handled all of the the structural engineering on that, or at least subbing it yeah, out yeah, to to the to the people who did it. Did they give you any? Uh, any, yeah, any negative feedback on it when they were like, "What do you mean you want me to build a house like this?" No, the en- the engineer they were all they were all for it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, they they specified that. Yeah, they never had everything. It was it was always an issue of maybe how much steel they put in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, there was no 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 uh, no problems on the design end for that. It was kind of like, yeah, that's what the code is, or you know, that's what it calls for, and it's a better design. It's a more durable design, so. Yeah, the weather down here plays a, a huge factor in uh, your timing and the turnaround time for it to be uh, really more of like a summer resort town. Yeah. Uh, everything starts in September and everybody wants it delivered by May. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not a lot of time to build a house. Yeah. So one of the reasons we originally did it is not necessarily to save money, but we thought it would be easier because you don't have to wait for the concrete guys to come through and all the masons to do all their work before you start really framing. Mm-hmm. You get these piles in the ground. You can start framing. They can come in afterwards. Yeah. And and do it based on the weather. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, now a lot of people are doing it. Mm-hmm. it there are some issues with it. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't necessarily just change a layout on the fly when yeah. all of your point loads are designed to come down onto pilings. Yep. Uh, yeah. It's a lot easier when it's just a big concrete wall, that, you know, yeah, made you out of block and backfill. Yeah, you could just shift it and be like, yeah, no problem. Yeah, yeah. But uh, so we had to do a little bit like, as we tweaked a couple things yeah, yeah. as the the house went on but no it was a it was a good move yeah and i, w- I would say uh the um a couple of the the houses uh the the bigger one we've done in margate on the bay uh was probably closer to some some of the stuff that i had to do documentation wise so mm-hmm. i have like there's a piling layout plan it's oh, yeah. much closer to when i used to work on like big commercial jobs mm-hmm. where that was the same thing was happening. We'd have like column locations were like very specific, you know, where they needed to be. And like, so some of the documentation I had to do for pilings was very similar to, to, to some of the bigger, the bigger stuff there that yeah. I've worked on in the past. So, uh, um, and I, you know, the, the other thing too that I think about is back then during the Sandy times was, uh, when you were saying it was like overcompensating, like everybody was like probably going a little bit greater. Like we had the one, the one house in Stone Harbor that, Probably, I don't know, I've never checked, but might be two feet higher than it really needs to be. You know, because that was a weird time, too, because there was a new regulation yeah. that passed. There's actually two yeah. houses where we were able to take advantage of it a little yeah. bit. So Stone Harbor, uh, their zoning only allows for two stories. It's the same overall height. Yeah, yeah. So you can have really high ceilings, but you can only do two stories. Yeah. And they also would classify the floor that has the garage as the first floor. So if you want it to park underneath a house and call it a garage, you can only build one story above that of finished space. Right. And you can only finish what was above the floodplain plus four feet or whatever it is. Yeah. So at that time, uh, it changed to flood zone V yeah. over there. And we jumped on it because the original design we had been doing for the house had the garage cut out on part of the first yeah, floor yeah, it took, it took away, and yeah. then by raising it the the you know the, the crawl space so to speak became like nine feet or yeah, eight yeah it, feet. Was, it was huge yeah. and it was huge yeah. and we said we wanted to put a garage door on there and they said look you can't have it be a garage it goes against our zoning code we said oh well it's just storage with a garage door yeah yeah, yeah. and they said okay uh-huh. so we ended up getting a lot more square footage out of the house uh-huh. and the people who own it 
they park there. Right, <laughs> you right, know? Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they might not be technically allowed to, but they, yeah. they park there without any issue. Yeah. And then uh, a similar thing happened with a large house that we built in Margate. Mm -hmm. uh, now, that one was on the bay, just like a lot of these other homes. Uh, the company was called Peruto Bayfront Homes. That was the, the brand name yeah. for the, the bayfront models. And uh, or at least the, the models on the water. Yeah, and I guess some I of them said, are on lagoons. Yeah, I said Bayfront, but it was like Prudo Development. Well, that was really, that was the yeah. parent company. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, that was that was the LLC. Uh -huh. But the the brand name for uh, that we were selling those houses under was Prudo Bayfront Homes. Mm -hmm. So in Margate on the open bay, there's a a, a beautiful street called Bayshore Drive, mm -hmm. and when you get towards the north side of Bayshore Drive, the the bulkhead stops. And instead of having a bulkhead holding back the water and, and holding in the land, you have gabion rock. So it's uh, yes. it's large rocks <laughs> and then smaller rocks. Yeah. And it is a little difficult to drive pilings in that kind of environment. But mm -hmm. what they uh, did was they changed the flood zone classification there to V. But the way they did it, because that island um, as a natural habitat is probably a lot better than this one. And the the lowest point on that entire island is probably a little bit higher than the highest point on this island. It's one yeah. of the reasons it was developed first yep. way back in the early 1900s or late 1800s. Um, yeah, it's the well, island that has Atlantic City yep, on it. Yeah, and uh, it became very famous for those of you not in this area from Boardwalk Empire. Mm -hmm. uh, I believe uh, uh, there, were, there were people who, there who lived in Longport and Margate along the points. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, so... They changed the classification, but it was only for half of the property. Mm -hmm. And that allowed us to make it kind of a split level. And normally you say, oh, well, a split level, it ruins it sometimes. It creates yeah, cooler yeah. rooms, but it ruins a flow. But uh -huh. on that one, it really made it much better. Yeah. And it made it so that the deck came up high and there was this giant overhang up top and, mm -hmm. and really high ceilings. And then you came down with the staircase, and it, and it made it a very grand uh, bay side of the house. Yeah. And uh, people really loved it. In fact, I believe that one made, uh, uh, it was like a national, one of those companies made like the house of the month or the house of the yeah, week. Yeah, it was like a New York Times or New York yeah, Post or something. Yeah, and like I, we yeah, didn't yeah. even know. And people were yeah, asking yeah, me, like, yeah. how'd you get on that list? I was like, yeah. I don't know. I yeah, mean, yeah, just, yeah. You know. Yeah, no, I remember there was a, you know, realtor from Margate who called me at one point. They do, they did, like, house tours in the fall, and they were like, you know, oh, you, we're going to do that house. Like, I don't know if the house was... Oh, I know. Uh, I, yeah, I remember, yeah. yeah, it was the, yeah, yeah. the JFS tour. Yeah, and there was a... I remember Atlantic City, uh, the press of Atlantic City did a story about realtors, but all the pictures they took of this realtor was in front of that house. Yeah. Yeah, because they were saying how... Um, at that time, the market was a little bit different where they were, like, actually taking buyers to these houses by boat, you know, rather than driving them around. We and actually, uh, we did some very cool things where we left some of the steel beams exposed and mm -hmm. had to paint them gray to make yeah. them look like, you know, what we all envisioned steel to look like instead of it being this rusty, dark, yeah. kind of ugly thing. Yeah, yeah. But we had the, you know, the exposed steel beams, uh, just a lot of glass. It was beautiful. But also mm -hmm. we did a lot of very cool bathrooms. And I remember at the time, um, you know, I don't know if I should give them a plug, but the house.com yeah. website, I was uh, I had just started advertising on there and I was putting up a lot of pictures. Yeah. And the pictures of those bathrooms kind of like blew up on their search list and like people liked and yeah. everything. And uh, I was getting a lot of, uh, getting contacted by a lot of people 
just based on that saying, hey, we keep seeing these amazing bathrooms you did. And I was kind of laughing to myself. I'm like, they're all in one house. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, <laughs> so like, yeah, okay, yeah. that was great. Yeah. Uh, but then it made a, like a, a tile magazine uh -huh. um, or like, you know, a brochure. Uh -huh. Uh, there was uh, some other stuff. I think some of the local um, tile places tried to, to pass it off. Yeah. Um, and then the outside of that house was also pretty. And that, it, it was a little bit similar to this house over here. And a few years ago, I, I discovered that there was a, a local company that does siding work uh -huh. that was passing it off on their Instagram feed as their own. Uh -huh. So I had to have a little talk yeah, with yeah, them yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. I had, well, it's funny. I was a expert witness on the case for uh, condo unit owners and it was like a, an acoustics issue or whatever mm -hmm. but when i got cross-examined um they were they bring up a picture and it was of that house in margate right. and it was because the, the the acoustic issue all that was like a multi-family situation mm -hmm. so they were trying to the the lawyers in this case were trying to say like well do you do it in your own like whatever i was saying as an expert witness do i do it in my own work so they see this picture of this giant house and they're like, well, did you do it on that one? And I'm like, I was like, no, I didn't do like whatever, you know, we were talking about the multifamily. I was like, because that's a single family home, you know, so they didn't, they didn't have any type of case. They were going, you know, what I knew where they were going right when they were doing that because they thought it was like this giant building with multiple mm -hmm. units and all this. But no, I was like, it's only one unit. <laughs> and I, I do remember when you were going through that because... I think we had talked about that first project that we had done, which was four very high-end condominiums at, at 20th and, and Delancey yeah, Place. Yeah, yeah. And we were, it was a historic renovation, and we were aiming to become the first LEED-certified historic renovation, uh, I think in the nation, maybe mm -hmm. the area, but I think it was in the nation. Uh, we ended up getting beaten right at the end because we were putting out a beautiful product and uh -huh. took our time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, one of the, the things that we were trying to really concentrate on with these higher end units was the indoor environment and you know the quality of life and and you know sound coming from the other units is not very good so i remember with that one we put uh, a combination of things we used the uh, open cell spray foam in between the units mm -hmm. uh, and it was less for insulation yeah. than uh than it was for the sound dampening and then we ran something called resilient channel yeah and uh they're basically metal strips that go across the joists and they have these rubber clips that where they screw into the joist and mm -hmm. the, the rubber is like a it's like a car tire rubber it's it's yeah, a yeah. really dense thing and it absorbs a lot of sound and then you screw the drywall in directly into those metal strips and so it acts as like an extra barrier mm -hmm. and i believe that you had like talked about that that's what you're you know that's like kind of the the top of the line at the time yeah yeah well there's a i mean now there's some other stuff yeah yeah but there's i like that that thing i was an expert witness in it was there's what the building code requires and mm -hmm. then there's another code where it's like you go above and beyond the code yeah it was just like luxury standards it's called yeah, yeah luxury standard and it's like like those condos we worked on together with i mean mm -hmm. those are luxury units yeah so you want to go yeah. a higher standard than what the building code is so um but yeah but like i said it was i just thought it was funny that those lawyers were trying to bring something up and i'm like that's a single family home they're like really and I'm like, yeah <laughs> i'm like sorry buddy it was and big and the funny thing is is i was like I like in my head, and I didn't say it during it. I was like, "You should have gone to this house because that house." I think I had pictures up on my website already for, mm -hmm. which they really still didn't have a case. I think with their angle, because it, but it is a duplex, so there is an acoustic yeah. element to that. But um, but yeah, so uh, but yeah, but back to that that Bayshore house. One of the things I mean, you didn't even mention that was like really on my end. That was uh, 
a big, big challenge was the lot itself because it was a, it was, it was a subdivided lot, mm-hmm. right? And they used to have a pool or something, but the lot itself was not a square, not a rectangle. It was like, it jutted. Yeah, I believe the original yeah. house that was on the lot when it was a double lot had, I don't know if it was a funky shape. I don't remember that, but I, I think it was maybe a, it was positioned in a way to take advantage of the sunset view yeah. on the bay. And when they subdivided it in order to get the minimum amount of square footage yeah. on the lot, which it was a big lot too. Yeah, yeah. So it I was, don't even know. But, yeah, yeah. but the way they did it, yeah, it was, uh, I think it was straight on one side, but then it turned, it to the turned left. on that. Yeah. yeah. It turned on an angle to the left. And so we, we actually, <laughs> that's what it was with the split, yeah. with the split level too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, there was, it just happened to be that that was like the perfect break yeah. for that change in height to have that big area and then have a couple. Yeah. Yeah. And we used it well in the stair and the elevator were kind of like a pivot point mm-hmm. in the, in that house. So yeah. it worked out really well. The roof took a forever for me to figure out. And I don't think the roof ever like got it. It was, it was just, you couldn't get like a clean transition with the roof, with the two angles and all that. But well, we figured it out in the we, field. Yeah. 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 So it was like, like, yeah, even when I submit, like was done with it, I'm like, here it is for the building permit. I still was like, I was never like a hundred percent on that roof, you know? <laughs> well, you know, I look at a lot of plans and you know, the best plans for somebody to build something has a, they have a lot of information on them. Mm-hmm. And usually the plans examiners hate those. Yeah. Because there's too much information. They get confused. They get very frustrated by it. They want to see something that looks very clean and has only the information that they're looking for. But then you go to try and build it and you're like, I have no idea what I'm supposed to do yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. Like, this doesn't even make sense. There's no measurements. I don't know what this is. You know, I have mm-hmm. a structural plan, but it doesn't show this or that. Yeah. So, uh, I remember that there were, I believe, some convenient gaps in the information for the roof. But it wasn't, it was convenient. It was not inconvenient. Uh So, you know, the house went up pretty quickly because you always provided, like, the right amount of information. And then we probably had to just kind of wing it on that. But we made it work. Yeah. Yeah. What do you mean by convenient gaps, though? (laughs) Well, because sometimes if there's a, a, you know, if you're looking for information... And it's not there, you know, you just have to consult the structural set, et cetera. Yeah. And you have a little bit more, uh, a little bit more play on what you do. It's, you know, it, it could be a couple inches over, or it mm-hmm. could be here and there. And, you know, when you're talking about certain design elements, it does help because it gives you a little bit more freedom yeah. to, to choose what it looks like on the fly and not just from the plans. Yeah, yeah. Now, you always did uh, 3D renderings and, mm-hmm. and, and stuff like that, so it really helped. But, you know, there's always angles that you look at and you say, ah, like, maybe if we had just changed this little thing. Well, that allowed us in the field to right, do right. that. Right, right. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, cause the way that angle was and all that was like you had the roof in the front was fine. Mm-hmm. The roof in the back was fine on its own. But then it had to connect in a certain way. And it just never, the way the angles worked and how they could properly, like, uh, slope it to, to you know, you know what the water I think to get it off. Was when, now that, now that you're, you're actually triggering something, uh, it was because of the slopes and the valleys and the way the roofs met, and it was a little confusing with regards to the uh, the gutter and downspout situation. Yeah. And what we decided to do uh, was actually to not 
do any downspouts. I know. We yeah, just yeah, yeah. eliminated them. Yeah. And we did the thick rain chains. Yeah. And uh, for those of you who don't know, it's basically just a thick chain, you know, a, yeah, a, yeah. a galvanized metal chain or a stainless steel chain. And it comes down right where the, the downspout would come, but it hangs straight down. You, and you build a little pit of stone and we would do stuff so it could come down. And the water kind of clings to it as it comes down, but it makes a, a very pleasant sound. Yeah. It's kind of like, a, you know, the, the rain machine mm -hmm. uh, sound that you would get like from a white noise machine yeah. or that, that wave effect. Mm -hmm. yeah, so it sounds like that. And it, it's really pretty, and it's kind of like, uh, you know, when you just stare at a fireplace and, and look at the fire for yeah, a while, yeah, yeah. It, it allowed you to kind of, you know, just sit on this big covered porch while it was raining and watch the water kind of come down yeah, all, yeah, yeah. off of the chains. And, and it, was a, it was a nice effect. And I, I remember that when we were building it, I really wanted people to come and look at that house while it was raining because it was uh -huh. really cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and the funny thing was is, like, I think you never even – that was one of those things where, you know, you never even, like, told me about it. Yeah, and no, it was, I think it was just yeah. on the fly. It yeah, was yeah. like, hey, you know, I've been seeing this thing. Uh -huh. I see it a couple pictures here and there. I want to try it. Yeah, yeah. And, like, I remember, like, coming down and seeing it. And I was like, did rain chains? And you're like, yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> you know, and I was like, yeah, I like, I like that. And uh, I don't think I've ever, I think there was one day, I was getting photos one day, and it was a little, it did, it, it, it might have rained, but it didn't. Because I was, like, kind of like, oh. It rains, but yeah. yeah, I've never been there when it it actually rained. But uh, but yeah, no, it's it's funny. We're sitting at one house and we've been talking about another one <laughs> the whole time. That's kind of uh, how it works. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but each one of them, we we took things that we loved about the last one, and yeah, maybe uh, you know, something that we loved about some house that somebody else built, and we would just kind of keep incorporating them and and changing them. And this one that we're in right now, this is kind of the the model that we had used going forward and uh, right now you can't see it on the video and obviously you can't see it if you're listening but we are sitting in the back of a, a covered area it's it's stacked decks off of the the three floors but we're on the ground level and the garage is all completely open we had used pilings and there's big steel beams coming across so it is a four car garage that is a little bit even oversized and we put a giant garage door in the front as you would expect, but then also one in the back and one on the side. And it allows us to leave it all open and get breeze that comes through, but make it also just a really huge party area where you get a lot more shade if mm -hmm. you're in this garage area. And this garage is not exactly set up like a normal garage. Yeah. Uh, this is, is set up more as a party area where bikes and paddle boards and cars are also stored yeah yeah uh yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, a big difference from the garage that also <laughs> has maybe like a you know a fridge in it this yeah. is a little bit next level but mm -hmm. uh it, it allowed us to have this kind of indoor outdoor party space that uh, a lot of people don't get and that was partially inspired by, by that house and then also that house in stone harbor and it was because of the float zone change it was like hey you could do this uh -huh. <laughs> you know? yeah yeah yeah, well, and the other thing, too, is, like, you can probably see a little bit on the video, but we have a, a pool back here. Mm -hmm. um, that That's one of the reasons why you have that, with that side garage door, you open that up. That opens up right to the pool. And, but the funny thing is that this pool was, I, I'm sure the idea of the pool was still there, but you first did next door. We had done the house, completed the house, and you got, you were, you and your, your dad were living there. Um, but then you decided to do the pool there. 
And I don't know, I'm trying to remember what the timing was, whether the pool was completed and then we started doing this one or... Yeah, yeah. Well, what happened was uh, there were two neighbors that were feuding for uh, a lot of years. Yeah. And we had put the one house under agreement and then separately put the other one under agreement. Uh, they, they disliked each other enough that even though they were both trying to sell, they refused to sell to the other one. Mm -hmm. And it was a 90-foot lot and an 80-foot lot. And our idea was to subdivide it into two 50s and a 70. And that would have allowed us to build three duplexes uh, on the water. Down here, it's a beautiful area. Would have made a lot of money. Mm -hmm. uh, but they would have been a little bit smaller. Yeah. And so we built the first one. And we got approval from uh, the CAFRA, the, the Coastal Area Flooding Re Regulations. Yeah. We got approval from the New Jersey Department of Environmental Protection. We got local approval. We got most of the county approval. And there was one little thing that we had to get around. And it was the number of curb cuts and a couple other things there, plus there was a walkway that they wanted us to add in mm -hmm. to give public access oh, right, outside. With the, with, with the two duplexes, I forgot and, about and that. And we yeah. fought that. We eventually won on, on that one, but we couldn't get past this Cape May County regulation that they had not enforced in years, but they had just started enforcing it. It was like and a it, public park it, well, thing. Well, there was, that was part yeah. of the CAFRA thing, but the, it was that the this road here, Ocean Drive, uh, is technically a county road right. it's one of the emergency roads and they didn't want anyone uh backing onto mm -hmm. the road yeah, coming yeah. out of your driveway <laughs> so imagine in your house if you have a driveway you pull into your driveway and your car is already facing that way mm -hmm. and the town says no you can't do this because then you'll have to back onto the road and it's like yeah. well, you've been doing that your whole life yeah yeah but they just said no, and they, and they would not budge. We tried to get political help. We tried to do other stuff, and it just it didn't work. And so we couldn't physically fit the amount of driveway space that we needed. And nobody had ever imagined that we were going to have to go through that. Yeah. It was uh, we, we, we looked at the big things uh -huh. and not this little small thing. Yeah, yeah. And in the end, we decided we, it, we weren't going to be able to do it. It wasn't going to be worth fighting it any longer. We had to make money on it, right? So uh, we decided to just build this much, much larger home here, uh, another duplex. But it's, this one is two-thirds on one side, yeah, one-third on the other. Yeah, like a heavy duplex. Yeah, yeah, and then since we had already had the 20 feet left over from the other property, yeah. uh, we put a pool on it. And yeah. we built this small garage to store some stuff and had a big bar in the back, kind of yeah. cabana style. That came out, and uh, yeah, I, I'm pretty proud of that one, too. It yeah, turned yeah. out really well. But yeah. we, we had that one, and we definitely had that pool while this was being constructed. Yeah, yeah, and now we have the pool here, and it's, it's is it? I'm trying to see. The house doesn't necessarily, I guess the house kind of comes right to the edge of it. I always. No, I mean, there's it, a nice, there's a nice, decent walkway. This yeah, yeah. house was designed with the pool. Yeah, uh, as well, part I'm of the original that, design. Yeah. The other house wasn't. It was yeah, just yeah. it was kind of thrown in. Yeah, but the, like the second floor of the house 
kind of comes right to the edge of where the pool is. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't quite overhang. I always kind of thought it overhung a little bit, but... Yeah, you had actually, I believe, designed it so that we could have had the pool have a little area that comes over closer to the garage yes. door. But then... Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was the, you know, homeowner saying, make the pool smaller, give me a little bit more surface area. Yeah, yeah. So and you, yeah, and you have a couple, like, deck, deck uh, you know, so you can lay out... Shays lounges, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so... Uh, um, yeah, but no, it's, uh, I'm uh, piggybacking here. I'm finally getting the, the finished photos of this, too. This is actually the first time I've been here when it's uh, finished, 100%. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I mean, I've kind of, I was telling telling you earlier, I was like off off the air that, uh, you know, I was over in the summer, I was kind of here just walk, walking by, but not in, this is the first time I've been in the house. Since yeah, well, I live on. in this one. Yeah. Uh, my father owns this one, so we got a free place to stay Yeah. Uh, with my kids. We actually had our own house that we, that was a vacation home that we had sold because mm -hmm. he wanted us to have our kids around here a little bit more. Yeah. But then I also did live in that house right there. They're the only two houses out of the ones that I've done with you that I've ever lived yeah. in. But yeah, it, it's convenient because we were right here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny too. Cause like every house that I've worked with you guys on, it was always like, I think it was always designed in mind that you guys might move into it. Well, you know what? I was building the them. I was help designing them, but uh, my father was the client on that one because they yeah. were they were his investments. Yeah, yeah. And he likes to do everything the way he wants it. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and and, and I, I will uh, just end uh, with uh, it was nice today too because as I was coming in and bringing the equipment in and all that, I got to meet the neighbors. Yeah, yeah, they're the great duplex. people. It was uh, well, I guess it's the owner's parents mm -hmm. here, but it was like, oh, hey, yeah, I was Chuck and Chaz's architect so i guess in a way i'm your architect too so how's that you know and they they seem to uh, enjoy their uh yeah we lucked out units. with them yeah you never know when you when you you know if you buy one half of a duplex or you've developed it to live in one half and you're trying to sell the other half you're yeah you're always a little bit nervous about who your neighbors are going to be we we've really lucked out yeah uh i did have an issue with neighbors on one of my properties mm -hmm. but uh well that's that's probably another whole podcast. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can talk about neighbors. Like, hell yeah. I could, I could tell you some stories about mine as well right now or, or some old, older ones. But uh, I actually remember that um, we had family friends who had real issues with their neighbors. And my, my mother and my stepfather, uh, they, it was like their best friends. And I remember they were building a house together when they were they were just engaged. Uh, he didn't want to live in like the house that my parents had had together. Kind of thing. And uh, I remember him saying like over and over, like, I'm never even going to talk to the neighbors. I don't want to see them. Put up a hedge. Do whatever. Yeah, yeah. I want my privacy. <laughs> and then, you know, it turns out that all their neighbors are like their best friends. They live yeah. on this cul-de-sac and they love it. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So, no, it's like I have a, you know, it's a, I, we have the farm and it's like, it's a little bit different, but, you know, they're still within... I shot and our, our neighbors across the street they have horses and stuff and it's, it's kind of nice because it's like we come down I come down to get my mail and there's horses right there so mm -hmm. it's good it's good so um yeah uh probably or like I bet you were over a half hour <laughs> like I told you a half hour we're probably, <laughs> we're probably like let's see yeah yeah we're probably good good amount of time here so uh let's well I, I talk a lot sometimes yeah well and I know for, me too so <laughs> <laughs> so uh, but yeah to wrap it up um like I, I prefaced you on this is, uh, you know, I, I do do a, a song 
every time for for each episode. So as the guest, you get to choose uh, choose a song, and then I'll later on I'll I'll add it to the tail end of the podcast. So. Well, you put me on the spot, and I have been thinking about it. I don't really have one chosen right now. So uh, oh. enjoy this song that he's about to play. <laughs> oh, I gotta pick it now. Okay, all right. So yeah, so it'll be uh, it'll be a secret, or Chaz will just email me one later, and then I'll yeah. put it in uh, later on. So Chaz, again, yeah, thanks for having uh, having having you on. Thanks for being on. Thank the, you for having podcast. me. And uh, oh yeah, we'll shake your hands and. Uh, uh, maybe uh, you come back some other time and maybe in another project someday. Sure, I'd love never to. never know. All right. Cool. Hey, thanks a lot. All right, guys. So uh, thanks again for Chaz for being here. And um, yeah, this is Rich, the architect. I'm signing off. See you. Today's music for for this episode is "Run Like Hell" by Pink Floyd. Uh, obviously, <laughs> Chaz didn't uh, pick something during the uh, recording of this, but uh, we just uh, exchanged some text messages, and this is what he uh, he came up with. So here we are um, again. I'd like to thank Chaz for coming on. Um, you know and. Uh, you know, having good good discussion there about some of the projects we worked on in the past, and um, yeah, so no, it was a good time. It was actually a gorgeous day down there too. I couldn't I couldn't have asked for a better day. You know, I guess the middle of September uh, weather down the shore is uh it's pretty nice, and uh, I actually got to take a chance and uh, had some time to kill. I had to go to my kids' uh, back to school night afterwards. Uh, but I had some time to kill, and I, I went over to the beach afterward, just sat there. <laughs> a little weird sitting on the beach in jeans, but uh, it's uh, – and I did forget my flip-flops, so I had to walk walk on the street for a little bit uh, barefoot, and I did get a, a burr stuck in my foot. So that was fun, but it was also nice. <laughs> Can't really complain. It was a chance to go onto the beach. So, um, yeah, so it was a good day. Again, thanks, Chaz, for uh, coming on. And, uh, yeah, we're looking to, uh, get more people on as guests. So if you're a listener and you'd be interested in being a guest, uh, just let me know, message, message me through, um, if you're listening to this on anchor, you can message me there. Um, or you could even, um, email me at, uh, info at dauntlessdc.com and we'll see if it's a fit and get you on, get you on the, um, the podcast. So uh, I'll leave you leave you with that, and uh, back to the music. And until next time, we'll see you then. <laughs>